Hello everyone, this is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm joined today by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good. Very good. Okay, this show is called Review and Preview. It's the only show we bring to you, to be honest. Um, This one's got a couple of guests on it as per usual. We're going to roll straight into the review part of the show. So we're going to talk about the fights last weekend. Where shall we start, Ayaz? Where shall we start? I think we should start the, the fight that happened in Manchester, the big card. The big card in Manchester. This is the Frank Warren card. Okay, some of the fights on that card, I actually feel caught light more than a lot of people thought it would. So, okay, so let's talk about that card. So, obviously, top of the bill, Terry Flanagan, he fought Diego Magdaleno, stopped him in the second round. I'm not sure how many knockdowns was in the second round. I think it was three times Magdaleno was knocked down by Terry Flanagan. I hold my hands up and say that I thought this was going to be a tougher fight than what it was. A lot of people were unsure of how, you know, how, how, how Terry Flanagan won his title. Uh, it was, it was unconvincing the way he won it, but um, all the doubters were kind of hushed uh, on Saturday night because he stopped him in the second round and no one has done that to Diego Magdaleno. Anything to add on that fight? I well, what a performance that was by Terry Flanagan. Second round, he knocked him out. I cannot believe it. I actually thought Diego Magdalena was going to give him the toughest fight. But wow, Flanagan just shocked everyone. Yeah, uh, yeah, it did shock a lot of people. It did shock a lot of people. I personally thought, if I had to put my money on something on someone to win that before the fight took place, I'd have put my money on uh, Magdaleno, if I'm totally honest. I'm glad I didn't put any bet on that one. Moving down the card, Liam Smith. We previewed this fight last week and we was looking forward to it. Liam Smith is now the WBO World Super Welterweight title holder. Obviously, that... Uh, super welterweight, also known as the light middleweight 154 title. So Liam Smith, the first of the Smith brothers to capture a world title, Ayaz. Wow, what a win for uh, Liam Smith. First Smith brother to win a world title. This, this, fight, uh, this win could lead to a big fight. Uh, this could lead him to fight with the likes of Shane Mosley, which there was an argument between the two of them on Twitter yesterday. Yeah, I did actually see that. I'm not quite sure how it started, but if you go onto Shane Mosley's Twitter page or or Liam Beefy Smith's Twitter page, you will see back and forth between those guys. I, I actually thought it was quite a close fight in the early rounds. Uh, in the sixth round, Liam Smith seemed to get something in his ear in between the rounds, and he came out in the sixth with some new energy. He went he went looking for him, and he was just walking him down. Uh, he's throwing many good shots and landing good shots. And uh, John Thompson was almost not saved by the bell in the in the end of the sixth round, but he was he was he was being hit way too often. In the seventh round, Liam Smith just came out and just went for him again, and obviously he put him down once, and that was it. He fell on his face, and um, he didn't know where he was. So that was a brilliant win for Liam Smith, and everybody wants to win a world title via knockout. So he is ticked that box. Uh, Moving down the card also, Luke Blackledge was fighting Lee Markham. Uh, Lee Markham, everybody knows him for his big fight with Frank Bullioni. Lee Markham actually lost this one. Luke Blackledge won a a 12-round unanimous decision, and this fight was for the Commonwealth British super middleweight title. Uh, I actually picked Markham to do this, but... um, very unlucky. Um, I don't think it was too much of a. I don't think the. I don't think it was as wide as what some people had it looking on Twitter. Um, Tom Stalker was on the card. He fought Craig Evans. Uh, this was a draw, a split draw. A lot of people thought that Tom Stalker should have won this fight. So um, 
yeah, he, he, did, he got a draw on his record, which is not good for him. That's his second draw now in 13 fights. Also down that card, Jack Catterall fought Yarko Pukkonen. Jack Catterall, we're big fans of him on this show. He's moved to 13-0, and 0, and he's put the first blemish on Jarko Pukkonen's record. He's now 12-1. and 1. Uh, Not a very exciting fight. Jack Catterall, he just, he didn't seem to be, I mean, he was out, he was out boxing him. He won every round. It was a complete shutout. I think on all three of the judges' scorecards, he won this fight unanimously. But he just, it, I don't know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it, it was very cagey for a lot of the rounds and he didn't perhaps shine as most thought he would. Vijender Singh was also on the bill. Uh, he was he had his debut against Sonny Whiting. Vijender Singh, uh, he is for people that don't know, he's a Bollywood actor. He's massive in India. Uh, he's the first. Is it the first professional boxer from India? Ayaz? Yes, he is. Okay, yeah, a lot of people. He had a very highly anticipated debut. Everyone from India was tuned in, and um, he was trending on Twitter, which is quite unbelievable because it's only his first fight, but everyone was glued to their TV sets in India. Yeah, it's good, obviously, to get a stoppage on your debut. Everybody wants to do that third-round stoppage. It was only a four-rounder, but... Bigger and better things to come for him. Okay, moving over to York Hall. John Ryder was on the card. He fought Adam Jones, and John Ryder picked up a points win after six rounds. Johnny Coyle was on the card. He's moved to 11-0 and with the one draw. He's also picked up the WBC Youth Intercontinental Super Lightweight. Ben Hall was on the card. He picked up another win. Reese Bellotti moved to 4-0 with a third-round stoppage. Mickey O'Rourke moves to 5-0 with a six-round points win. Ted Cheeseman, he moves to 2-0 with a points win after four rounds. Craig Richards moves to 2-0, points win after four rounds as well. Isaac Chamberlain was on the card. Um, he... Picked up a points win. He now moves to 4-0. Of course, there was a card in Wales which featured Enzo Macronelli. Enzo Macronelli picked up a fifth-round stoppage over Jiri Svacina. So uh, Enzo gets his 40th win of his professional career. Our guest from last week, Gary O'Sullivan, he was fighting in the Lowell Memorial Auditorium in Lowell, Massachusetts. He stepped in against David Taribio. We talked about him and he stopped him in the second round. So Gary O'Sullivan, he was talking about his, uh, getting a fifth knockout in a row on last week's show and he has picked up his fifth knockout in a row. I actually spoke to him after the fight on WhatsApp and he was telling me that he's definitely going to uh, you know, get six knockouts in a row and he's definitely going to knock Chris Eubank Jr. out. He also went out there with Stephen Ormond. He came out he was actually with with spike out there and he picked up a first round knockout so uh, both of them went over there and both got knockouts one in the first round one in the second round so very happy i'm sure packy collins will be also on that night there was eric molina who we saw fight deontay wilder um, he was also not in the same venue, but he was fighting in Texas and he got a sixth round knockout. So he moves to 24 and three. Jorge Linares was out as well. He picked up a fourth round KO against Ivan Carno. That was on that crazy card in Venezuela. Uh, Alexander Ustinov got a first round knockout of Morris Harris, so he moves to 32 and 1. We announced last week that Sergei Kamitsky was on the card. He was fighting Alfonso Blanco for the interim WBA world middleweight title, and Alfonso Blanco won via a 12th round decision unanimously. So he moves to 12-0, and, and he's the new um, WBA world middleweight title holder. I think he actually had the title before the bout. He was defending it against Sergei Kamitsky, but he's still the champion. Okay, so that's it for the review part of the show. We're going to bring on our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mr. Jonathan Banks. Uh, welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. No problem. Um... What was your reaction to the Batman press conference with uh, with Tyson Fury in London? 
I just laughed at it. <laughs> That's the ball. That's all you can do. Yeah, he's a he's a real showman for sure. Yeah, Tyson. You know, Tyson's Tyson. I've been knowing Tyson for quite some time, and he never he never disappoints. He always he always will be himself. Do you think? Because um, a lot of people criticize him. Um, do you think he's good for the good for the sport or bad for the sport of boxing? I think any fighter, period, that gets in the ring, the fight is good for the sport. You know, you mean you talking about boxing? So he gets in the ring. He don't. He don't chicken out. He gets in the ring, fully prepared to fight. So I think in that manner, and he's undefeated. How could he not be good for the sport? You got a big guy um, that takes the fight to you, and he's undefeated at the moment. So how could you? How could he not be good for the sport? Yeah, I think a lot of people just, um, you know, not a fan of his antics. Me personally, I think he's good for the sport, of course. I mean, you got to understand, antics started back in the um, 70s. Before, it was unheard of for antics to happen. It was unheard of. Muhammad Ali started it off. And from then on, it's been a domino effect. Because no one knew that you could really do that to a person. Can you really piss a person off at the beginning Back when Jack Johnson, Joe Lewis was fighting, you look at a guy, you shake his hand, and you go try to and you go beat him. That was proper protocol. You go fight him. That's all it was. And nowadays, with all the media attention out here, just think about if Muhammad Ali had social media at the time when he was trying to fight Sonny Liston. You know how crazy it would have been. But with no social media, he still managed to let the world know that's who he wanted to fight and why he wanted to fight him. So I think answers like that always been a part of boxing. And that always keep the it keeps the average everyday person in tune into boxing. Because other than that, they wouldn't be in tune. They wouldn't know about it. People like controversy, no matter how you look at it. If you in a crowd, if you somewhere, you hear big a big noise outside, and the crowd going to see somebody fight, you're gonna wonder what's going on. It's controversy. People like it. So I think it's good for the sport. Is Muhammad Ali the greatest of all time? In my opinion, yes. Better than Vlad? I think Muhammad Ali is the greatest heavyweight of all times. And I think Sugar Ray Robinson is the greatest fighter of all times. That's just my opinion, though. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the fight has been rescheduled for the 28th of November. Yes. Um, where, where where, did this injury, where was it sustained? I know that a lot of people were saying, you know, how did he get injured? Was he out of the gym? Where where did he pick this injury up, Jonathan? That, I don't know. That you have to ask him. I'm not sure exactly what point, where was he at location-wise. Okay. <clears throat> um, we had Peter Fury on the show last week, and uh, we asked him about, uh, you know, the Klitschko camping yourself, and he was very, very respectful of everything, um, everything that you do, um, you know, and the way you prepare your fighter. And, um, yeah, he had nothing but respect for you guys. Well, I, I met Peter Fury for the first time in, um, in, in London after that press conference, and I have nothing but the utmost respect for Peter Fury. He's, he's a gentleman. He's a nice guy. And I, I really enjoyed speaking with him. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, he is a very good guy. Um, <clears throat> what do you prefer, training or fighting, Jonathan? That's kind of difficult. You know, that's like asking a chef, do we prefer cooking or eating? <laughs> very you know, good comparison. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know. I can't. But I tell you one thing. Um, I love them both. You know, I, I do. I have a passion for them, for both of them, and I just love them both. And um, which which fighters do you train? Obviously, we know about Vladimir, we know about Dillian. Is it just those two, or is it any other guys? Um, I train Cecilia Bracuse as well. Okay. Is he a heavyweight? No, Cecilia is the female. She's the first female to ever capture an undisputed championship. Oh my! Excuse my knowledge on the female. No, no, it's okay. Boxing. It's okay. No problem. A lot of people see. A lot of people is not knowledgeable about about females, and a lot of females <clears throat> train just as hard, if not harder, and fight just as hard, if not harder than than ninety percent of, of male fighters. But they just don't get the um, acknowledgement or the accolades, or they don't, they don't, they don't get a lot of credit. Um, 
a lot of attention or or credit about the situation. But I feel for the first female to ever capture the undisputed championship, the undisputed world title, and all the females that came through through the years, from Christy Martin to um, Lucille Riker to Layla Lee, I think that's a very big accomplishment, and I think it should be. I wish it could it could be acknowledged, but I'm pretty sure it would be something that's overlooked. As soon as you got a, a, a notable male fighter, as soon as he throw a rock in the empty field, the tension goes there. Of course. Um, obviously, you picked up most, if not all, of your uh, training knowledge from the legendary uh, Manny Stewart. Um, do you yeah, use these techniques? Oh, yeah, I thought you would. <laughs> do you use these techniques also uh, with the female that you look after? Yeah, because a lot of people. Um, think that look at Emmanuel saying he only trained heavyweights, but he started his career off with welterweights and lightweights. You know, his brother was a, his brother was a middleweight in the Golden Glove Amateur Champion. That was the actual first champion Emmanuel ever had was his little brother. You know, so he he didn't start off. It, it took a long time for him to get to heavyweights, but he was just the type of guy who could train anybody. He also trained Lucille Riker. And I believe that she fought on the undercard of Lennox and um, I want to say Tommy Morrison. I want to say she fought on that undercard. But uh, so he was able, I was around him, looking at him, all these different styles that he was training. And it only benefited me and allowed me to be able to do the same thing because I was able to see it. So he had a style and a gift to train male or female, left hand or right hand, brawler or boxer. And I feel I have the same thing because that's what I'm able to do. Yeah. Um... Who do you think is the best prospect in world boxing at the moment? The best prospect? Yes. Wow, that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of difficult to say. So many. The best prospect. It's, it's a lot of guys out there that 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 I see, you know, um, coming up. So it's kind of difficult to say. You got. Um, I, and there's a lot of guys I like. I like Crawford. Crawford, just crowned champion from Nebraska. Very good, very nice guy. Very, you know, he's a good champion. There's a lot of them out there. Yeah. Um, just, I just want to point out, you mentioned um, the Lennox Lewis and Tommy Morrison. That's actually, um, that was 20 years ago today, that fight. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> you knew that one. Um, also. Yes, it was. Um, What's your thoughts personally, your thoughts on Shannon Briggs? My personal thoughts? Yes. And not my political thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Give us whatever you want. <laughs> um, my personal thoughts is, um, number one, I like Shannon. Yeah. I met Shannon a long time ago, um, I mean, years ago. It's been over 12, 13 years now I met him. And Shannon always been a nice guy. But, um, <laughs> how can I put this? I just don't think Shannon is as serious about boxing as he make himself as make it out to be. I think he got one goal in mind, and that's to fight the brother of the brother that he already lost to. And reason being, he would he could if it was if it was a sense of being a champion, then he'd go after Deontay Wilder. He's closer to Deontay than he is to Vladimir. So he would go after Deontay Wilder. But it's not about getting the championship. I think it's about getting paid. Since it's about getting paid, who carries the most valuable? Who carries the most value? Vladimir Klitschko. Who carries the who carries the linear titles? Who've been reigning champion the longest? Who you're not gonna get booed if you lose to? Vladimir Klitschko. You're gonna say, Oh, you lost to him, but hey, your excuse is he didn't beat everybody. What you want me to do? You know, but you can't say that about Deontay Wilder. You lose to him, dude. Why in the heck you take the fight? You too old this, you too old that. So it's a lot of things, it's a lot of it's a lot more criticism he gets if he fight somebody like Deontay Wilder. You know, or any or any top 20, 30 guy in the world. He haven't fought not one. That's that's what I don't get. People say Vladimir Clisco should fight Shannon Briggs. Why? Because he acts. Yeah, the bar is a guy. Hey, what if a guy at the bar last week asked to fight me or asked me to train him? Am I wrong for not fighting him or not training him? No. <laughs> I'm saying, just because somebody asked for it don't mean they deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And <clears throat> do you think Deontay Wilder's the best heavyweight from the USA at the moment, taking yourself out of the equation? Um, is Deontay Wilder the best heavyweight in the United States at the moment? You know what? I would look bad if I say no, <laughs> because he is the WBC heavyweight champion. Yeah. But obviously, it would look it, it would look a little crazy if I just be like, yeah, he is. He's the best. He's the best. Woo-hoo. I mean, I look at the best as beating the best. So that's just my opinion, though. You know, if 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 you if you fought like if you name name me five heavyweights that you could think of right now that came up fighting the competition that he's came up fighting and um. And, and made champion. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I, number one, I can't think of not one of them. Okay, you know, but at the same time, um, these guys didn't get paid to take a dive. And please don't think this is no disrespect to Dante Wilder. He's a good friend of mine. He's a nice dude. I like the guy a lot. That's my guy. You know, it's my guy. But we talking, we just talking the <laughs> the politics of boxing. And I think Dante Wilder is a very good heavyweight, very talented heavy, you know. But is he the best heavyweight in the United States? I can't, I can't fix my mouth to say yeah because there's so many other ones out there that that's better, that has better footwork. Than he. Yeah. I mean, he got good hand speed. Great, I love his hand speed, I, and I like his power. Good power, very good puncher. Absolutely. Um. The other thing I was going to ask, I'm just going to be the last question I've got. Um, obviously, you're now training Dillian White. Um, he's got a big fight with Joshua on the 12th of December. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, Dillian sparred with Vlad, so I, I'd imagine he's got, um, you know, the, the, he's always fighting the taller guys, so so he's not the height's not going to be a problem. But how do you prepare him for Joshua? Because I know that you've actually seen Joshua a few times in camp. Do you think Joshua is yeah. as special as they say? You know, do you reckon a lot of people think Dillian's going to get flattened? What do you what's your what's your thoughts on this fight? Oh, I think that's that's going to be the makeup of boxing. That, that's the makeup of boxing. One uh, majority thinks one guy go get flat, and the majority think this guy gonna win. So that's, that's the makeup of the sport. That's the beauty of the sport. Everybody, one side thinks this, one side thinks that, and everybody have to come out to see what happens or tune in to see what happens. That's just the beauty of the sport. But um, and I had Dillian White in camp uh, with Vladimir three times for sparring. Um, and Joshua was in there, I believe, once or twice, maybe once. And um, I, I gave Joshua handwork a few times as well. Um, is he is he as special as they make him out to be? I'm not sure how exactly. Well, I guess I know I'm a little knowledgeable how they make him out to be. They make him out to be um, as the guy that's walking on water, <laughs> you know. But um. At the, at the end of the day, I think he, he he's a he's a good fighter, very talented. He got a good feel for um for for his opponent's energy in the ring, and um, I have nothing negative to say about. But also, um, Dillian White, he has a very good chance on beating Andrew Josh, simply because no one really knows him. He's just not starting to get his name put out there, but now they're starting to realize his name always been there. They just haven't been talked about, and um, I just think that um he has a very a chance to beat him because um, because of his style and his techniques that he's learning and styles make fights always have and always will well said um, <clears throat> my partner here has got a couple of questions for you and then that will be okay. it Jonathan uh, I has come okay. in um, hello Jonathan hello how are you I'm not too bad how are you first I'm good good what's your relationship with Vladimir Klitschko like um it's like a like two brothers, man. I mean, we've been together for so long, so it's like two friends, two brothers. It's, it's like a really, really good relationship. Yeah, okay. Um, I want to ask you like about your past. Like, how did you link up with Emmanuel Stewart? Um, local Detroit amateur. I was a part of his amateur program, and um, walked in the chronic gym. I ended up winning a tournament that he took us to, and um, I don't know how. It just we started talking one day. <laughs> he seen me at the gym every day. I was a part of the amateur. Pro- I was part of the amateurs he brought out to the Pokemon 
know, to, to meet Lennox Lewis for the first time. I think I was like 15 years old or something. Um, I was just, I was, I was always around. I was part of the amateur program. So that, uh, and Manny was really, really big at amateur. He was bigger. He was bigger. He was, he paid more attention to amateurs than he did the pros when he was home. How many, how many amateurs you know that could train for the, train for a different tournament in Lennox Lewis training camp? <laughs> you know, we going down to train for a tournament in Lennox Lewis training camp. So mm-hmm. for me, that was amazing. And do you know, like, who was there as well? Who was there at the Crunk Gym? Yes. Everybody was there, man. Holyfield was coming down there. Um, Michael Moore was down there. Oh, some everybody was down there. Tommy was still down there. Some everybody was down there, man. Like, you can name them. It was so... And then they got to, like, this is the 90s. Everybody was still fighting in the 90s. That must have been a very good time back then for boxing. Man, like it, it was one of the best experiences of my life. I still tell a lot of people about it that's in the new Kronk Gym now. Say so you don't... They would never understand the concept of the Kronk Gym. I mean, I'm meeting guys who train with Joe Lewis. And all, all of them are gone, gone passed away now, but I was able to meet these guys, talk to these guys. It was unbelievable spin. Wow, it must be crazy. And one last question. Were you there at the time uh, when Vladimir, uh, when Fury came to Vladimir's camp? Of course. And can you tell us something about it? Fury was a super nice guy. Super nice guy. Nice guy. I got the picture that he wanted. He wanted to. He wanted to take a picture with Vladimir and Emmanuel. I got a picture on my phone right now. Vladimir, Tyson Fury, Angelina, and Emmanuel Stewart. Wow. Okay. Take a picture again. Thank you, and I'll pass you back to um, Joey. Okay. Jonathan, thank you for coming on the show. Um, sorry, we couldn't get you on any sooner, but um, I think that no, might have been my pleasure, fault. Man. But um, Jonathan, my listen. Pleasure. You, you've been absolutely fantastic and I uh, wish you the best of luck for the future. Please take good care. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Same to you. Anytime I do the show. Thank you. Jonathan, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Thank My you, pleasure. sir. Thank you. All right. Okay, moving on to the second part of the show. This show is called The Review and Preview. We're through to the preview part of the show. Okay. So, fighting on Wednesday night, uh, Lee Selby defends his IBF World Featherweight title against Fernando Montiel. Fernando Montiel, he's obviously um, very, very experienced. 54 wins, 4 losses, and 2 draws. Uh, He's 36 years old. He steps in against Lee Selby, who is one of our most promising uh, fighters from the UK. Ayaz, do you have any comments for that fight? Yes, I reckon this is going to be a very tough fight for Lee Selby. Obviously, Montiel, he's had fights with like Nonita Donet, hasn't he? Nonita Donet stopped him, I think, is it the second round? Yes. Yes, he stopped him in the second round. Yeah, so he's experienced. However, he's he's actually fought in Mexico for the last... Well, he picked up one loss, to, which was to Nanito Dene. But since that loss, which was in 2011, he has fought every fight in Mexico. So uh, he hasn't actually fought in the States since his loss to Nanito Dene. And, of course, this one is in the States. It's in Arizona. So it'll be interesting to see what this guy has. He's five foot four. Of course, um, Lee Selby will have the reach over him. So um, it'll be interesting. Do you, what do you think? What preview? Uh, give me a prediction for this fight, Ayaz. I see. I see this going to. I see this going to points. Lee Selby winning it. Okay, I disagree with that. I mean, uh, Selby, he's, he's big for his weight. He's five foot eight and a half, so he's got a, a massive. Uh, he's a lot. He's a lot taller than this guy. And um, I personally think. I mean, the guy is ranked fifteenth in the world. Of course, uh, Lee Selby is ranked number six. Uh, I'm going by box rec uh, rankings here, so you can argue. It's arguable how accurate it is. But, um, you know, this guy's fought once this year. He's fought a guy called, I don't even know how to say his name, but he's fought once this year already, and he picked up a 10th round unanimous win. Obviously, that was in Mexico, as I said. I mean, yeah, I I think that that Lee Selby will probably get his ninth stoppage. But also, Lee Selby, you know, he hasn't knocked many people out. He's only got the eight knockouts, but I think he will knock this guy out, to be honest with you. And, um, I mean, he's a fantastic champion, Lee Selby. He's one of my favourite fighters at the minute. But, um, yeah, 
hopefully gets a stoppage, hopefully defends it and uh, gets a few more defences under his belt. It's very good for Lee Selby because as far as I'm aware, I think this is the first time he's actually headlined a card. I know that he's been on a few of Joshua's undercards. He won the world title at the O2 Arena um, fighting Gradovich at the Royal Britannia. Was it a Royal Britannia card? I yes, it was. Frankie Gavin and Kelbrook fight. Ah, okay. So, was Joshua on that bill as well? Yes, Anthony Joshua is Kevin Johnson. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, the, 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 uh, the headline fight there was Kel Brook. Frankie Gavin, so he's actually headlining his first, his first, uh, you know, it's the, it's the first time he's headlining the card, and he's got um, Devon Alexander on his undercard. Devon Alexander fights a guy called Aaron Martinez. I think Devon's probably going to pick up an easy win here. Haven't seen much of Aaron Martinez, but that's it for Wednesday night. So it's a bit strange. There's a Wednesday night show. Um, also, there is boxing on Thursday. Just the one fight I want to mention. Uh, in New Zealand, Joseph Parker, heavyweight prospect, is back out again. He fights Kali Meehan, who's vastly experienced. 42 wins, 5 losses. And Joseph Parker, 15-0. and 0. He tries to move to 16-0. and 0. And moving over to Friday night, Andre Fonfara fights Nathan Cleverly. This is in uh, Fonfara's newfound and uh, home, as you may as well say, uh, the United States. He's fought a few fights over there now. We have to remember, because he actually lives in uh, Chicago, Illinois, so this one really is in his back garden. He fought um, Dudu Nugumbu there in 2014. This is He's been to this, this arena a few times, the UIC Pavilion, Chicago. From far, we have to remember, he, he obviously made a name for himself when he fought Adonis Stevenson to be honest with you. I didn't know who he was before that. He's been in there with the likes of, you know, Glenn Johnson, a lot of fighters, Carpensi, who Adonis Stevenson fought recently. But he got his shot at Adonis Stevenson, and he done very, very well, to be honest. He gave Adonis probably his hardest fight. So he kind of made a name for himself in that fight. Uh, obviously, he lost unanimously on after 12 rounds. But then he then he fought um, Dudu Nagumbu. He, he, uh, he got a 10-round 10, 10 unanimous decision win over him. Then he fought Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. And, and uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. retired on his stall after the ninth round. And remember, he was not down by uh, Fonfara and and Chavez is known for a good chin um, so Fonfara is he's making a name for himself now and he fights Nathan Cleverly of course it's for the WBC international light heavyweight title which he won in the fight against Chavez Jr. How do you see this one going Ayaz? This is a very tough fight for Cleverly to be honest I reckon see this fight can go either 50-50 way but if it has to go, I reckon it go to points decision. And if it goes to a points decision, is there the is there the possibility that he could get robbed here, Nathan Cleverly? I reckon he could probably get robbed and give it, and the fun, and the fight will go to Fonfara. Yeah, it's a, I mean, remember we haven't really seen much of Cleverly since the fight with Tony Bellew. He he obviously lost on split decision, which it shouldn't have even been a split decision. Cleverly was awful that night, if I don't mind. Me say if you don't mind me saying, um, he, he come back and he fought Thomas Mann. That was again at the O2 Arena. He, he stopped him in the first round. It was after about 24 seconds, 25 seconds, you know. So so he hasn't really fought properly since the Bellew fight, and I think that the Bellew fight took a lot out of him. If I have to make a prediction here, it's going to be the from far win. But I hope I'm wrong. Um, I really do hope I'm wrong. Okay, so moving down that card. It's, it's really full of um, it's full of prospects to be honest with you. Eleven and oh, four and oh, three and oh, three and oh, five and oh. Um, so there's a lot of guys on that card, um, not not notable names as of yet. But um, anything else to add for the Saturday night? I as where should we start for Saturday night? Because it's absolutely littered with fights. I think we should start on Saturday night. The Battle of Broom, Sam Eggington. Yes, he was supposed to fight Frankie Gavin, but Frankie Gavin's had to pull out with an injury. They're looking to reschedule that fight, but um, of course, 
Sam Eggington, he's he's now fighting Dal Evans. So it's a shame he's not fighting Frankie Gavin, but he fights Dal Evans, who's also a credible opponent. It should be a good clash. Kalia fires on the bill. Uh, he fights Jason Cunningham. This is for the vacant British super flyweight title. Khalid Yafai tries to move to 17-0. and 0. His brother, Gamal Yafai, tries to move to 8-0 and 0 on this card as well. Uh, Matthew Macklin gets out again. He fights Jason Wellborn. What do, what do you think Matthew Macklin has left in his career, Ayaz? I reckon he's got a couple of fights left in him as well. He said, I, I heard him saying that he wants a world title shot. It said on Sky Sports News today, actually. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know what he's got left, to be honest. We saw him get stopped by uh, Ireland. We saw him get crushed by, by, by Golovkin, of course, who we have to talk about as well. So we move to the Golovkin card. Golovkin fights this weekend, this weekend against David Lemieux. Uh, Golovkin 33 and 0, David Lemieux 34 and 2. This is brilliant for boxing this fight because we don't get as many unification fights as we should in my opinion. So Golovkin obviously holds the majority of the belts but Lemieux holds the IBF world middleweight title, which he won in his last fight. He fought Hassan and Dam and, and, and won that unanimously after 12 rounds. He now defends his title in his first defense against the beast, Gennady Golovkin, who brings to the table his interim WBC world middleweight title, his IBO world middleweight title, and his WBA super world middleweight title. So, this is, this is a big, big, big fight for boxing. I think it's fantastic. It's at the Madison Square Garden. Where else could it be? Um, moving down that card. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm sure you'll say you'll want to say a word on that fight, Ayaz. Golovkin, you mute. Oh, this is going to be a firecracker fight. Golovkin, oh, my God. he's This guy is just the future of boxing, in my opinion. Probably the next pound-for-pound fighter. But I was just watching the fight, um, the HBO preview of Golovkin and Lemieux. And when Golovkin say, I'm going to make this a street fight, right? The face of Lemieux's face. Oh, my God. This fight, it's going to be a knockout or a stoppage somewhere. Yeah, I agree. Um, Both guys can really crack. Obviously, Lemieux has got the... um, uh, Well, Golovkin's got 30 knockouts in 33 wins. And Lemieux... He has uh, 31 knockouts in 34 wins. So combined, they both have 61 knockouts in 67 wins. So, yeah, both of them can really crack. And I definitely would put my money on there being a stoppage. Uh, Moving down that card, Roman Gonzalez who's just come into the picture lately, but he's a cracking fighter, but he fought a lot, a lot of under the radar fights. He is 43 and zero, which is a cracking record. Obviously, if he, if he goes on for another six more wins and he will equal uh, the record of Rocky Marciano and Mayweather. So fantastic little fighter uh, in the flyweight division there. So everyone should watch that fight. Uh, Luis Ortiz, the interim WBA world heavyweight title holder. He defends his belt. He's been out the ring for a long time. Uh, he fights Matias Ariel Vidondo. Luis Ortiz, 22-0. and 0. Matias Ariel Vidondo, 21 loss and one draw. Um, moving over to Eagle Bank Arena, Virginia, Lamont Peterson fights Felix Diaz. This is the first fight back for Lamont Peterson from his uh, from his loss to Danny Garcia. So we'll see what he has. I actually thought he won that fight. Um, so he fights again. Do you think Lamont Peterson's good enough to win another title in the 140 division, Ayaz? Yeah, I reckon he could win a world title 140 division. He's a very good fighter. From In my opinion, when he fought Garcia, I actually thought he won the fight. Yeah, so do I, yeah. Um, do you reckon, what, how do you think a fight would go down between Lamont Peterson and Terence Crawford at 140? Oh, that's, this is a very tough one because they're both very good fighters. I reckon, from my perspective, I reckon it'd go to Terence Cornford. Yeah, I'd probably have to agree. I don't think uh, Lamont was one of the strongest champions. Obviously, we saw him get stopped, I think, in the second round against Matisse a couple years back now. 
and that wasn't for his title. He actually, it was at a catch weight and the title wasn't involved. And I think he still heard the title despite that. And, um, but yeah, that's another story. Moving on to another bill in America, this one in Connecticut, um, Demetrius Andrade. We've all, we've all been waiting for him to return to the ring. He's back in action, trying to get to 22 and oh, he has been stripped of the WBO world superweight, uh, sorry, the WBO World Super Welterweight title. He's been stripped of that, which is, again, obviously known as the 154 title. Um, Demetrius Andrade stripped of that. His last fight was the, the seventh round TKO victory over our very own Brian Rose. So he hasn't been in the ring for uh, 16 months. He fights Dario Fabian Puchetta. Also, I should have uh, I should have I should have gone from United Kingdom to the USA, but I have been flicking back and forth in York Hall. Matty Askin fights Lawrence Bennett. Uh, Matty Askin eighteen and three. He fights Lawrence Bennett seven and one. Uh, Matty Askin obviously lost to our guest last week, Oval McKenzie. Uh, Leon McKenzie is on the bill as well. He fights John McCallum. Um, if this is a real grudge match, there's some clips you can see on YouTube, they did a head-to-head. John McCallum brought up uh, some of the past experiences that Leon McKenzie's gone through, he talked about his depression, and it nearly kicked off. They had to end the face-to-face. So, um, yeah, that's a proper grudge match at York Hall. Uh, Floyd Moore fights on the bill. Um, Matt McCarthy's on the bill. Wadi Camacho is on the bill as well. It's quite a packed bill. There's actually, I'll tell you right now how many fights are on that bill. There's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. There's 19 fights on that on that bill. So if anybody can get down to the York Hall in Bethnal Green, you'll definitely get your money's worth. Okay, and it's time for our second guest on the show. We speak to one of the hottest prospects in British boxing at the moment, Mr. Isaac Chamberlain. Isaac, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up? What's up? <laughs> How you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just chilling, you know. Chilling after a, hot, uh, a good fight on Saturday, so I'm just relaxing now. Yeah. Waiting for my next time out. Thanks for speaking to us so close after the fight, and uh, yeah, thanks for coming on at such short notice. Yeah, no problem. No problem. It's all right. Do you know when you're out next, Isaac? Um, I'm thinking hopefully November in Liverpool or December the 12th. December the 12th. December the 12th. That's the juicy London card. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, Dylan and Joshua. Is Dillian training down at your gym at the moment? Yeah, he's training He's training at the gym, but he's, I think he just went to America for training over there for a training camp over there to prepare for Joshua so he's never here or there I don't know really I really asked him yeah yeah because I know he's going to be going over to the Kronk as I say you're on this uh, earlier on in the show we spoke to Jonathan Banks so it's good to get you both in the same thing because obviously he's now training Dillian mm-hmm. yeah yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's really good like that that he's, he's teamed up with him you know I see a difference in his training and everything Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant to hear. Um, without, well, because I know you personally, I'm allowed to put you on the spot. <laughs> what do you think about this fight, Isaac? What do you think? Honestly, in your opinion, how do you think this fight goes? Well, I, um, it's kind of 50-50. More closer than a lot of people think because uh, they're not going to come to fight and know that you see Joshua like, in a move with a pole that actually hit back. So, boy, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very good fight. I'll be keeping a close eye on it. Definitely watching it. But yeah. I really don't know. You know, I don't know what could happen. It's really that it's that close. Yeah, because obviously you spot you've sparred Joshua. Is that right? Yeah, I sparred him. You sparred Dillian. Yeah. Okay, so you sparred him both. Yes, I'm sure you know a lot more than a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people know he was given a lot of limelight for helping uh, Deontay Wilder prepare for his uh, WBC World Title fight against Devon. What's it like sparring the big man Deontay himself? Um, yeah, sparring Deontay, it was uh, it was like I was preparing for a fight every day. You know, I had to get mentally prepared because this guy was serious. That. You know, he didn't, like, obviously, because I was the youngest and I was the, the lightest in the camp, he, he still didn't give me any, like, 
you know, he didn't let me off. Like he came to fight, he came he came like proper, like prepared, like that must be really good for your confidence because when you was in his camp, I don't know had you turned had you turned pro at that point or is you just about one or two fights into your pro career? No, um I I've never had a pro, a pro fight yet. That was when I was preparing for January thirty first for my for my debut. So I was over there. Spent the whole Christmas over there. Yeah, that's brilliant because you must have walked into your first, well, you've had four fights now. You must be walking into them with so much confidence because of, you know, this competitive spine, because you're able to hold your own against people like the other. Yeah, Yeah, definitely, definitely. It showed what I have. It showed that I can be a world-class opponent. I I can be a world-class athlete and and mix it with one of the best in the world at heavyweight and I'm only a cruiserweight. So imagine what I can do at the cruiserweight division. Yeah, um, Isaac, do you see yourself moving up to heavyweight one day? Uh, if the money's right, you know, because if the money's if the money's right, because like I've been this weight for about four years so far, like nearly about four years, I've been the same weight. So and I, and I'm always training, and I'm always eating correctly, right? You know, so um, it kind of depends really on my team, on the management, and my trainer if we will agree to it. But, and it's better for everything. Hopefully, I want to dominate the physical division you know, at world level. I'll figure out making a move. Okay. And, um, I mean, you've obviously had, you've had the four fights now. Um, a lot of people, I don't know if they've looked deep into your opponent's records, but the losses on the records, are, if you look at how many times that opponent's been stopped, they're very durable people that you've fought. You've fought people who have maybe had quite a few losses, but they've been stopped next to, next to no time. So they're not, yeah, you know, no. you've, <laughs> the people you fought, they're really durable. So you've gone the rounds with all of them. You've gone, you obviously you've had four, four round fights you've been 16 rounds so you've gone you've gone the distance you haven't got a stoppage yet but that doesn't worry you surely I know that you, you you've got a lot of power perhaps yeah, people they, they just haven't seen it yet yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of true you know I got you know uh, it's, it's good experience especially because before my debut I, I did a box as an amateur for, like, for about a year and a bit you know so it's good to get the rounds in and get back in, into the ring in a professional ring and uh, get all the rounds in. It's really good, you know, the stoppages will come and it will come against opponents that want to hit back and up-and-coming prospects, up-and-coming prospects as well. So, you know, I get the rounds with a gentleman and and learn as much as I can. So, you know, I know what's going to happen. Imagine if I've been knocking all everyone out and then I come across someone I can take punches, what am I going to do then? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's very good experience you get because you get it can go two ways when people turn pro. Sometimes they knock people out all the time and they go, oh well, what's going to happen if he goes the distance? Sometimes you go the distance and people say, oh, where's his power? So it's hard to it's hard to win people over. But everybody, um, yeah. if they're not if they're not believing in you now, then they definitely should because they'll regret it because we all know that you're you're on course for big things in the future. Without jumping the gun. Who would you who do you feel confident against? I know, obviously, you talked about the people that you've sparred these uh, world level guys. Who would you want in your next two to three fights? Are you ready for anyone in the world right now? In the world, um, it, it kind of all depends on my team, really. You know, it's not really. I would say it is my choice, but you know, if they put me in with anyone, I'll be like, yeah, I'll take it. Because, you know, you've got to take risk to, to go out there and be the best. But it's just mostly down to my team and management. If they think I'm ready for to take on this, this type of opponent, we'll train for them and then we'll beat them. Okay. Yeah, because, I, I mean, like I say, I know you personally. I know that you really would fight anyone. It's almost like your team have to kind of hold you on the ground and say, look, you know, you've got to do this one step at a time. We've got to build up slowly. But uh, everyone believes in you, and I'm sure that you will be able to win a British title next year. Uh, yeah, definitely. Just just about taking step by step, taking one step at a time, you know. So uh, it, it will all come into fruition. It will all come into play very soon. Okay, and what are your goals in boxing? What I mean, what if you you know if there's one thing you could do in boxing, what would it be? Uh, it would be you know to 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 become the best that I can be. You know, going to get win world titles and you know go into the Hall of Fame and, and most importantly inspire others 
because it's quite obvious to me that, you know, if I could do it, you can do it as well, because I basically came from nothing. You know, I basically came from nothing. So if I can do it, then definitely you can, because, you know, it's possible it's nothing. Anyone can do it. I just want to inspire everyone. Do you know what? That's a very, very educational answer that you give me there. Uh, not not a lot of people, 4 and 0, would go on to say that, but it just goes to show where your mind is. You're really grounded and you know, you know, you know what you have to do to be at the top, which is very impressive that you know that after just four fights, Isaac. Yeah, okay, Isaac, I'm going to pass you over to my partner. I think he's got two or three questions for you and then we should be done. Okay, no problem. Ayaz, bring yourself in. Um, hello, Isaac. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, bro. What's up? Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Uh, next five years, hopefully holding a version of the Cruiserweight title. Probably IBF, WBO, I, um, WBC. Hopefully, I like the WBC. That's like one of my favourite belts. Okay. So hopefully, holding hold one of them. And, uh, and, uh, it's remaining undefeated. Yeah, I last question. Uh, something that I has said um, sparked something in my head that I forgot to ask. Um, if you can, let us know. Uh, you know, right now, today, uh, if if tomorrow there was a fight between Wilder and Joshua, will Joshua be able to handle Wilder? I kind of think so. You know, because Joshua, he's, he's very strong, very athletic. And uh, he's, it's, I think it's a difference between their cores. You know, Joshua's a very composed fighter. Wilder's a bit, like, wild. <laughs> he's a bit, you know, like, I wouldn't say all over the place, but, you know, he he punches. I think he kind of punches harder than Joshua, but Joshua's a more compact puncher. So um, it's, it's basically who he lands first. Okay. Well, Isaac, like I say, thank you for coming on at such short notice and thank you for being the second guest on today's show. Thank no you very problem, much, man. Isaac. All right, no problem. Thank you very much. Brilliant. All right, take care. Okay, I think that concludes this episode of the Box Hard Podcast. Um, I would like everybody to come back next week. Please retweet, please share, please tell your friend to tell their friends, tell their friends to tell their friends and their friends and their friends. Please follow us on Twitter at Box Hard Podcast. We're also on iTunes now. If you've got an iPhone, an iPad, something like that, you can go onto the podcast preset application. You can search for the Box Hard Podcast. You can find us on there. We're also on SoundCloud, but please follow us on Twitter and let your friends know. Thank you very much to our guests for appearing on this show as well, of course. And we hope to see you next week. Thank you very much.